Hello, and welcome to Spotlight COD, the podcast where we sit down with aspiring artists and performers from our star-studded college community and shine a light on their sleigh. Today, I'm joined by my close personal confidant and author of the hit mommy blog, May I Be So Bald. Give it up for Kevin Mann. (laughs) Kevin, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So why don't you start by telling me a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. Um... Basically, what I do is anything I want to at this point. I had a a career as a paralegal. Order in the court. And I got really bored with it. And so I decided to go back to school to study film because I used to act. And I really wanted to get back into something fun. And paralegal is not fun. (laughs) No matter what it is. Yeah, it's... It's interesting, but not fun, not like artistically fulfilling at all. Right. So I decided to come back here to study film and uh, everything that goes with it. And I'm having a really good time with it. What is your background in the arts? Oh, I started acting when I was very young. I used to do community theater. Then I got an agent and I started to do uh, commercials. Um, I never really got into like, film or TV other than commercials because I kind of <laughs> it's a really hard industry and you have to be very very dedicated and I think I wasn't that dedicated I why why good question I, well like I said it's very hard on you personally because you get rejected for things that you have absolutely no control over mm. right and you feel very like you're not in control of your life yeah. And that's really hard, especially like, you know, in your late 20s and 30s, you're kind of getting to the point where you're trying to find out where you're going and what you're doing, or at least society wants you to find out where you're going and what you're doing. And it got to a point where I was like, either I have to make this a career and commit to it, or I have to get out and do something else. And so I wasn't committed enough and I got out. And so what's the difference now going back to it? Like, what's the attitude difference? Old. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> you get to a point where you're like, okay, you look back on your life and you're like, could I've made it, if I had made a different decision, would my life be different? Mm-hmm. And that could be good or bad. But what happened was I had, I was being a paralegal and I was enjoying it, but not like there wasn't any artistic outlet. And I had always had an artistic outlet. And at that point, it had been quite a few years since I had anything artistic in my life. And that was by choice because I had no self-esteem at that point. Mm. I just, things that happened and I was like, y- you have to have a lot of self-esteem to be a working actor, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to put up with a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah. But I thought, okay, I'm here. They pumps, we moved to Palm Springs like 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And I thought, okay, I'll look around and see if there are any theaters around. And I was really surprised for such a small community. There are a lot of community theaters around. I thought, well, I can get back into it this way. I'll go and audition for something and see if anything happens. And I did, and I got a part, and then I was like, okay, I'm back. So now I've done a couple shows, and uh, I enjoyed them. I think that was the big thing, because the the first show I got back into, I was like, am I going to have fun? Is this good? Because that's all it was about at that point, was having fun and enjoying myself. And I was like, okay, am I going to have fun? Is this going to be well-received? Can I still act? That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And the show, 
uh, ended up being pretty good and I got good reviews and it was like a, a self-esteem boost. And I was like, right, okay, right, all right, right I'll right, do right. it again. I'll, I'll do it until I get a bad review and then we'll see what happens. Because <laughs> yes, my, my ego is that that fragile, yeah, so. But I think it's kind of beautiful that like, like you got out because it was affecting your self-esteem, but now you're in a place where like, it's actually contributing to your self-esteem. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you got, well, that was the other thing. I lost 130 pounds. I'm a big person mm. anyhow, but I had gotten really, really big. And that was affecting my self-esteem a lot. And so at that size, there are only so many roles that people will mm. consider you for. Now, this was a long time ago. Things are changing now, right? Yeah. Like you see actors of all different sizes doing roles that you would never have seen them in before. And you see actors of all diff different ethnicities doing roles that mm. they had never been considered for before. So things are changing, which is beautiful but when it was affecting me things were not changing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was not yeah. you know if you were fat you were the funny fat friend mm. that was it or you were somebody evil or you were the like the the coroner that was eating the hoagie over a dead body which is disgusting <laughs> and they're you know i'm like how many times do you have to see this that before can't people... be real a lot of chicken a lot of sandwiches and hamburgers like i said now it's different if i got back into it and actually got an agent i might actually get interesting work so yeah, yeah, we'll see if that ever happens, but I'm not going there yet. So tell me about um, your interest in horror. Mm. Where, do, where does that come from, do you think? You know, <laughs> that's a really interesting question because I think sort of like you're there safe in a theater watching these horrible things happen, but you're safe. So yeah. it's a weird, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just this weird thing where you sort of, you can live out. And I think that's the thing about film in general. You can live out things that you never could or never want to live out in real life. Right. But you can watch them happen and be safe and still experience them. Yeah. Especially for me, and this is going to sound really, really bad, but, you know, I was kind of dead inside. And you can live through these things and have these emotional highs and emotional lows without affecting your life. Right. So I don't know if that's if that explains and it. No, that that's, that's what... like empowering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I know that you... You grew up a Catholic schoolboy. Yes, is I that did. correct? Yes, I was an altar boy. So, what is um was sort of explain like your your interest in horror in like the context of that in the context of the sort of religious oh no trauma oh my god because <laughs> obviously so many so okay. many horror movies are like you know well yeah I remember The Exorcist and I don't remember when I saw it but I was way too young I got I, my poor parents I would sneak out and go see movies religious horror really affected me because I believed in it at the time right right so when you see The Exorcist as a Catholic then all you see around you are like you know demons coming to get you right right right, right? so I don't know how it affects how it affects me today I still won't watch The Exorcist though but then again I love my ghost stories. Like mm -hmm. Mike Flanagan, amazing director. Mm -hmm. um, I just watched uh, Fall of the House of the uh, Fall of the House of Usher mm. on Netflix, which is so good because he uses like the his base is like emotional trauma, and that's the kind of horror that I love, like Hereditary or mm -hmm. Midsummer, mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. kind of things where it's about yeah, right, where it's about the trauma that causes the horror. Like, I'll watch a slasher movie because it's fun. It's interesting. It's fun. But it's not deep. It's just sort of like when you watch something like Follow the House of Usher or Midsummer or Hereditary, it gets into your brain. You start thinking about it. Oh, and there's this great movie called um, The Night House. 
resurrection. Oh, and then, oh, um, <laughs> there's a movie called Men. Alex, oh, I wish I could remember his name. Ah, uh, Rebecca Hall. If you've not seen Rebecca Hall, everyone else in the movie is played by the same actor. Have you seen Men? No. Oh, my God. I don't think so. The Night House. Okay. Alex Garland, that's who it is. Okay. Ugh, see it. It's very odd. <laughs> so I also, I also want to ask about your, your projects, your recent projects, things you've done. Um, I know that you, you're very into the sort of like no budget, mm. um, solo writer, director, producer. Yeah. Um, so tell me about that. That's, that's because I'm broke. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if I had the money, it wouldn't it's be that. It's not an artistic choice. No. But the thing about it is you learn so much from doing that, right? Yeah. You learn that you don't have to have millions of dollars to make something interesting, Yeah. right? It may not be as aesthetically pleasing. It may not have all the FX that a big budget whatever has, but you can make something that's interesting that gets to the heart of whatever the, the subject is. And that's where I, I am right now is a lot of writing. I don't know, I, I like directing, but I think my sweet spot right now is writing. And my hope is that at some point I can write something that someone else will direct. Mm. Because you never know when someone interprets what you're doing. I did a, um, I had a, uh, I think it was an editing class or maybe a creative content class. I can't remember what the class was exactly, but we all got scripts that had been written in screenwriting classes. Mm. And that's interesting. Yeah, it was. And, someone else got a script that I had written and I didn't know that this was happening. And I'm in the class and I'm like, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> and then he started explaining. I was like, Oh, that's my capstone project. <laughs> you know, that's and so vulnerable. It is. Well, I loved it because this guy went in this completely different direction wow. that I had never even thought of. Yeah. And I thought that is a really interesting interpretation of something. And I think whenever you get into any sort of artistic endeavor, you have to sort of let your ego go mm. and let people experience what you've done for themselves. Right. right. It's like song lyrics. People may write a song for a specific reason. Like I have to break up and I wrote this song. Mm -hmm. Someone hears it and they think, oh, that's about, uh, you know, a childhood friend of mine. Yeah. Right. And as the artist, you have to say, that is really interesting that that's the way you interpreted and God love you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go with it. I hate the people who, who are so like strict about writing what it's about. So everyone knows exactly what mm. I meant and blah, blah, blah. I like ambiguity. I think ambiguity is interesting and it sort of breeds artistic excellence. I don't yeah. know how else to say it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. People need to experience, or we have, to, I think that's a big thing in our society is we don't want people experiencing things for themselves. Mm. We want to control the output and you can't. You put something out into the world and you let people interpret it and let people I mean, because that, that's where the art happens, right? Yeah. It's through the interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. It's not the, the writing or the directing or you're filming. It's the watching. Yeah. And, and, or listening to or, or whatever it is. And you can't be upset about if someone completely misinterprets something. Because yeah. I, I love listening to things where people are on opposite sides of what something means. Mm. Because it's things that maybe you have never thought of. And it just opens your mind up to really interesting thought processes that you would have never had before. Yeah. So I loved it. I want to see someone take something really weird that I've written because I've, I've written one thing that is very disturbing. 
<laughs> and I would love to have someone. What is I, it? It's called um, Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker. <laughs> and it's, it's basically about a little boy who is abused by his father. Wow. And his whole world, it, it's when he's an adult, he plays, the adult actor plays the child too. But the whole world is, I love that. is in crayon. Like all of the, <gasps> all of the scene, the, the way I've written is all the scene design is chi- childhood drawings. Wow. So he, they live in a house that he's drawn and, you know, all that. And, and it's a tour, but I would love to see someone do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's 40 pages right now. I've got to get it down to like 30 and make it a short because there's a lot of extra stuff in it. But it's just very bizarre, I think, and I would love to see how someone interpreted it and, and did something with it, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I want to see that with other stuff, too. I have a, a short right now that we'll see how things go, but I've been told that a producer wants to produce it, mm. right? So if I ever sign the paperwork, then I'll let you know. <laughs> but I, it's, it's a little more straightforward. All of my stuff, the stuff that I've written, sort of is... Um, emotional trauma with a supernatural bent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so sort of like a like a hereditary kind of well, i'm not going to say it's as good as that writing or anything but that's how i've been interpreting my trauma is getting it out that way like you take the trauma and then you you know throw something supernatural at it and see what happens so and how do you um how do you feel looking back on like your own work like do you feel pride do you feel sort of like that is really really interesting question because yes and no the screenplays that i have written none of them have been produced i've only written a a couple full length and i've written a bunch of shorts but i have a couple that were like the most personal ones that have won festivals and awards and stuff that is uh outside praise right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody wants that, mm-hmm. right? So yes, I do feel proud that I've written things that have resonated with someone, right? I had a, a this one that I've written called Appetite, which seems to be the big one. And that was, it's a very personal one because it was basically, like I said, I lost hundred and around 130 pounds so far. And one day I looked in the mirror and it wasn't me, mm. right? I looked in the mirror and I was like, who the hell is that? You know, and it was very shocking because you think it would happen slowly, right? That you would, you see it happening and you see the weight going off and you see your face changing and you see your body changing, but it didn't. It hit me like a brick. It was bizarre. I looked in the mirror one day and I literally was like, who is this person behind me? So I took that and I put it into a script and made it into a horror script. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the one that's resonating the most with people. And I think that that I'm very proud of, that something... I could take a personal aspect of my life and put it in there and people are sort of appreciating it. When I look back at the <laughs> at the the student films I've made, not so proud. And that's because the issue is what I was talking about, the technical stuff, right? I started the film uh, program right before COVID. So any all of my production stuff was during COVID. Right. Right? So I didn't get the stuff about the cameras. Right. I, I, I still photography and videography is a very different medium. And I, anybody who tells you anything different is wrong. So I didn't get the technical aspects of it. So it's hard for me to look at them and see the script or see the acting because I have the capstone that I did. Uh, it's called asphyxia. 
the actress in it is amazing. I was really lucky to find her. But all I can see is what I should have done different technically mm. that I know now. And when you look at something in hindsight, right? It hurts. It hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah. I mean, there were three of This was during the height of COVID. There were, the crew was only three people. The wow. cast was four people. And we did all the COVID procedures and all of that. But that was it. And we had a weekend to film in a house in, in Desert Hot Springs. So it was fast. It was dirty. The thing that I'm a proud that I am proud of is that we've got we got it done. It is watchable. It's not cringy. There are a couple parts. Oh, beyond there are a couple parts I think are cringy, but <laughs> it's there. It was produced. It's out in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So far, I think on my on my YouTube channel, I think it's got like 300 views, and that to me is amazing. Yeah. Right. I'm not 300 people watching this, whether they liked it, whether they hated whatever, saw something that I made, whether they hated it, whether they loved it, doesn't matter. It's out there. They saw it. It's affected them in one way or another that I'm proud of. Well, we're just about ready to take our first break. And when we come back, more of Kevin. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, times, they are changing, and here at Spotlight COD, we believe that gay is okay! That's why we would like to take a moment to remind our sexy young listeners that it gets better. When I was a boy, the nuns used to call me a ninny and strike me on the buttocks, and now I can't even unless someone's It gets better. When I was a kid, I thought I'd never find love. But then I changed my profile picture to Hannah Montana, and now I'm really doing the thing, Mama. It gets better. Who, me? <laughs> I'm not gay. You're gay. It gets better. I have really serious intimacy issues. Someone please have- It gets better. For those of you just joining us, welcome to Spotlight COD, the show where we sit down with aspiring artists and performers from our star-studded college community and shine a light on their ra ra ra. I'm here today with Kevin Mann, and Kevin, we are about to play a little game. Are you ready? Oh, sure. So this is called 16 questions. Um, They're gonna be 16 rapid fire questions in the style of an obnoxious celebrity interview and you're going to (laughs) respond to the best of your ability. Are you ready? Uh, Yes. Cue the music. (laughs) Question one, do you believe in God? Yes. Trick or treat? Treat. What makes you go va va voom? Oh, uh, Dan Haggerty. Do you and your partner have nicknames for each other, or do you both just call each other Kevin? <laughs> we call each other Kevin. People call us Big Kevin, Little Kevin, even though we're, we're, I'm taller than he is. What would be your last meal if you were sentenced to death for being a dumb <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, You know, I'm going to go real basic. I'm going to go Olive Garden. Just Olive Garden. Anything there. All of it. Can you say, Hamana, 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 Hamana? If you had hair, how would you style it? How dare you? <laughs> when I had hair, I had like a white boy afro. 
What? I had little curl. Yeah, I'll show you a picture from high school. I have like little white boy afro. You know what? I see that. Do you? I actually totally see that. It was sort of like a brown orphan Annie. Wow. Yeah, it was sad. I am rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to that girl you were friends with last year? Which one? <laughs> the girl that you would hang out with at the who was in who was in class in the intro class. She was like your BFF. You were always with her. What happened to her? Oh my God, I don't know. I don't know her. Oh. I'm like I'm like Mariah Carey. I don't know her. Wow, the shade. <laughs> I guess that answers that. <laughs> if I died, would you cry or would you just feel kind of weird? Oh, I would cry. Would you? Yeah, I would. Okay. Why don't you hold my hand anymore when we cross the street? You're an adult, you can do it yourself. Who's your least favorite person at the station? Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I would tell you it's a student. It's not, it's not a worker, it's a student. <laughs> Does capitalism work if you work it? No. Do you even know what the time would be right now in military time? Let's see. No, it'd be 10.38. It's 10.38 in the morning, it would be 10.38. Ha ha. Zing. <laughs> Okay, that was the 16 questions. That was actually 14 questions. Uh, Probably less, because I'm going to cut some. Um, how, how do you feel? Do you feel famous yet? Okay. This is your first, your this first is, big This is it. This celebrity. is what's, what's going to drive me over, right? This is actually what it comes to. This oh, was this like your destination. Yeah, okay. I, I hope you know this that. This is the end of the journey? Yeah. Great. <laughs> so I like to close every episode with a discussion on success okay. and the future. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, what is what's next for you? What do you see for yourself? Well, I'm hoping that the short that I was talking about gets produced. That would really make me happy because it's a real production company. There'd be real money, real actors. Not, you know, I shouldn't say that because the people that I've worked with have been real actors. I should say professional actors. And the difference is people who do it as a job. Right. right. The people that I've been working with are trying to do it as a job or they're student actors and they've been wonderful. So that sounded shady, which it was not. Um, what was the question? <laughs> What's next for you? Oh, yeah. So that's the big thing. Um, the script appetite was accepted into another uh, festival. It's a local one, Yucca Valley Film Festival. And I get to go and be on their um, screenwriter roundtable, wow. which I love. I mean, it's a small, it's a local small festival, which makes me comfortable. Yeah. Like if it ever, if I ever get to the point where anything I do gets accepted into something like a big, well-known festival, not that you see now I think like I'm being shady yet. I don't know if Yucca Valley is a big well-known. <laughs> Anyhow, the point is it makes me comfortable. Small town, comfortable, big. I'm, I'm an awkward person if you haven't. <laughs> If you haven't figured it out. And I'm not good at like the ass kissing stuff. I've, you know, I would totally right. I yeah. wouldn't be good at it. So we'll see how it goes because every day they always talk about how you have to pitch your stuff and how it, it's all about you. And I'm like, oh, well, then I'm never going anywhere because I'm just weird and awkward and, you know, I'll let somebody else do it. But that's the next thing. And then um, I'm working on other screenplays and getting them out there and just trying to be a better, better writer. I've already gotten better and I think better is different to different people but for me I think better means more concise more clear and more emotionally invested I haven't got to the point where I've had to write anything just to to write it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah so the last thing I want to touch on is this idea of success mm -hmm. obviously success is um super subjective mm -hmm. always shifting 
So I'm curious how you define artistic success for yourself. Hmm. That's a problem because I don't think I will ever be successful. And I think it has more to do with self-esteem than with anything I do. To be successful as a screenwriter, which is what I'm aiming for at this point, would ha- to be have, have a movie produced. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? And then work as a screenwriter. That would be success for like all the people who are writers in, in TV show rooms who you never know their name, mm-hmm. you have no idea. They're successful to me because they're doing what they want to do. They're doing it as they're living and they're making a career out of it. Right. I got into this really late. If I, I started writing when I was very young. And then once again, the whole self-esteem thing <laughs> hit me like a ton of bricks and took me out for 20 years. So I'm back at the point where I want to be in an artistic industry. What that ends up being, we'll see if it ever happens. But I'm lucky enough that I've been able to come back here and get into it through the college, which is amazing. I mean, for a, and once again, not to sound shady, but for a junior college, the film program here is really interesting, very deep, very interesting. The the professors are all, they care about it. Mm-hmm. So you may not get that at a big college, right? It's going to be, once again, it's going to be about, you know, getting out and doing it and blah, blah, blah. We're here. It's more about learning it and finding yourself and exactly. getting there, right? So maybe that's success. Maybe when I write something that I look at and think, this is it. I'm good. I've written this. I'm happy. So. Ah, beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I love that answer. Well, thank you so much for stopping by today. Um, this was this was this was great. This was fun for me. Great. Was this fun good. for you? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm always so bad at figuring out how to Close end this. <laughs> yeah. I like to always like throw a little compliment. What's what's the best compliment you could receive? See, that's the thing. I, I'm not good at that kind of stuff. I have no idea. I'm very bad at compliments. I was brought up to be bad at compliments. We were, you know, it was the era that I was, you didn't. I get that, though, because right? I, was, I was brought up with, like, the evil eye. Right? So it's like you can't yeah. draw that kind of. And then you think, why are people giving you the compliment? What are they trying to get out of you? I mean, it's really toxic. It really, it yeah. really, really is. So what would be a good com- I think um, I want to be. And this may sound silly, but I want to be a nice person. I want to be a good person. Mm. I want to be a happy person. So if someone comes up to me and says, what you just did made me happy or what you just did helped me out of some dark place, that to me is a compliment. Like when everybody was like, oh, oh, this is toxic. But like when people that didn't pay attention to me when I was 130 pounds heavier, who now are like, what do the kids say? You know, sliding into my DMs, that kind of crap. I'm like, screw you. No, that's not, not, no. That is <laughs> so kind of satisfying of though. Right. Oh, it is. You know what? It is. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a power thing. Like, oh, totally. Right? Like, I, you had, I have power over you now. Yeah. So screw you, dude. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to give you the time of day because you were mean. Yeah. That's what I like. People who are nice, I, it doesn't take much to be nice. It does not take much to help It does not take much to people. be nice. It doesn't take much to, like, just listen. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I... Oh, 
Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just make sounds now for the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. Join us next Sunday at 11.30 a.m. for another episode of Spotlight COD. Bye.